High School. I am so happy to be back with you guys again tonight. Before we do anything else, I need everybody to stand up. Stand up real quick all across this place. I need you to find at least five people. It could be everybody in this room, but at least five people, okay? And give them a high five and say, LeBron James is the greatest of all time. Unless you disagree, in which case you can say who you think is the greatest NBA player of all time. Find five people, five people. I just heard Giannis. All right, let's make our way back to our seats when we are finished with that. Well, as James said, my name is Bryce Holdman. A lot of people around here call me Spicy Brycey. That is a nickname of mine. Um, I, I need to get a name tag that says that. I need to talk style about that. But anyway, um, so tonight I am super excited to not only be here, but to be here bringing the word in our new series, Greatest of All Time, kicking us off in that series. And here's why I'm excited. Because something that I believe God's been teaching me recently, he's been speaking to my heart, telling me that when we are excited about something, we start to pursue that something harder than anything else in our life that is, is trying to get in its way. And we, we have this motivation towards this thing that we're so excited about, and our only focus is thinking about that thing that we're so excited about. And so tonight, if you're anything like me right now, I am excited to start talking about the Word of God and start talking about what God has to say and what He does through a guy named Moses, which is where we're going to be camping out tonight. And so if, if, if we are truly focused tonight, if we are truly excited about the Word of God and, and what God is going to do and say tonight in all of our hearts, and that's where our focus is going to be, and that's where our motivation is going to lie. And so... Tonight, as I said, we're going to be kicking off Greatest of All Time, our new series, and we're going to be talking about a guy named Moses. Now, in this series, we're going to be talking about three Old Testament characters. Moses is tonight, and then we'll have two others the next two weeks, and then we'll finish talking about Jesus. But tonight, to talk about Moses, I want to direct your attention to the book of Exodus. So if you have your Bibles with you, if you have your phones that have a Bible app on them, please turn there right now, and we're going to get rolling in one moment once we're all turned there. So we're going to start in Exodus 1, but before we do anything else, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I'd love to pray for us. <clears throat> All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for another opportunity to bring the word um, tonight to these students, including my heart. I pray you speak to all of us. And um, Lord, I pray that whatever is said, whatever is done tonight, um, as we look into the life of Moses, I pray that you would show us what we need to hear from it, what we need to see from it, so that we may uh, most effectively be uh, vessels for you to work through. Um, and Lord, I just pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All right, now to start off, I just want to give a brief background of who Moses is. Most people in this room have probably heard of Moses. Um, so to do that, I want to direct you to Exodus chapter 1. So this is before Moses even gets on scene. This is before he's born. And what happens in Exodus 1 is we, we see the subtitle, The Israelites are oppressed. So oppression is taking place. The Israelites are in slavery right now to the Egyptians under a guy named Pharaoh, who is the head of Egypt. And so what takes place is in Exodus 1, verse 11, the Bible actually tells us they, Egypt, put slave masters over them, Israel, to oppress them, Israel, with forced labor. And not only were they oppressed, but the Pharaoh at the time commanded in verse 22 that every boy must be born and then killed. 
So every boy that's born has to be killed. So at, at, at this time in Exodus 2, when Moses is born, he's obviously born as a boy. And based on Pharaoh's command here, he's supposed to be killed. So, so something to notice here right off the bat is the world around Moses does not affect God's plan for his life. The world around Moses does not affect God's plan for his life. It does not. And so tonight, that's the key issue that I want to center our entire time around is that God's plan still goes on regardless of the situation Moses finds himself in when he's born. So let's apply this to our lives for a second. Maybe for some of us in the room, we spent a lot of time using the negativity around us in this world, maybe in school, as an excuse for not truly chasing after God. For instance, you flip on the news and you see this uh, terrorist attack happening um, overseas or maybe in the United States. You see a shooting that just took place. You see all these negative acts of terror and violence and evil. And you say, well, the rest of the world isn't really following after God that hard. I guess it's okay if I slip up from time to time. I guess it's okay if I just am kind of slack on my, my, my commitment to Christ because the rest of the world is way worse off than I am in that, in that way. But instead, tonight we're going to see how God had a unique plan for Moses' life, and tonight God has a unique plan for your life, and the way that's going to get accomplished is if we say, or not say, allow God to tell us to get out of the way so that he can work. Because too often I believe, and I've seen this in my own life, where we can be people where we try to pursue our own goals, our own plans, without listening to what God has for us, and then start to pursue those. So tonight, Moses is a very good example of what this is going to look like. And so in chapter 2, we read of Moses' birth. And he was born into an Israelite family, but he ended up in the hands of Pharaoh's daughter. And he actually grows up in the household of Pharaoh. So he's born from an Israelite family, okay, but he's picked up, not, not wanted by that Israelite family, so he's picked up by Pharaoh's daughter. So he grows up in the household of Pharaoh himself, the ruler of Egypt. And he actually doesn't return back to the Israelite community until the end of chapter 2 when he finally realizes, wow, these people that are oppressed by who I thought was my family, the, the, the ones that are actually my family, are the ones that are being oppressed, and so he discovers that in chapter two and God chooses Moses to deliver his own people from the hands of Pharaoh. So if you're taking notes tonight, point one is gonna be God's call. God's call, super simple, two words, God's call. And to see God's call on Moses' life, we look to Exodus chapter three, one chapter over. And so here God decides to speak to Moses through a bush, a burning bush to be in fact. And it takes place on the top of a mountain called Horeb which is kind of crazy because if I read the signs right, we're in a church right now called Mount Horeb. So what this word actually means, Mountain Horeb, actually means Mountain of God. So that's where our church's name came from, this encounter in Exodus 3 between God and Moses uh, through a burning bush on Mount Horeb, which means Mountain of God. So here God gives Moses his specific calling. So I just want to talk a moment about calling. I believe that Jesus gives us our uh, Christ calling, I guess you could call it, which means that he, he gives all followers of himself the same overarching calling, which is to go and make disciples. We see that in the book of Matthew. Go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that's our calling overall. All of that is the same for all of us, okay? 
But then we have specific callings. So for instance, in verse 10, God tells Moses, go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So God commands Moses to go, and then he tells him exactly what to do when he goes. So maybe for some of us in the room, whether we've heard the audible voice of God or not, we, we felt God telling us, God, I, I really feel like this is what I'm supposed to do in life. Like, I know I'm supposed to go and make disciples of Christ, just like someone did that for me one day in my past when I accepted Jesus. So that's my big goal, but I feel like this is the specific way that you are trying to do that through me. And so for Moses, the specific way is to deliver his people out of Egypt, which is a pretty big task. And in verse 12, God makes him a promise, which is the big idea for tonight. So if you want to title this sermon anything, title it this, God is with you. God is with you. If, if, if you do not hear anything else I say tonight, I want you to hear these four words, God is with you. And so tonight we're, we're gonna take a look at how God was with Moses, but then we're gonna try to apply that to how God is with us in this moment, in all past moments, and in all future moments. So in verse 12, he says, I will be with you, Moses. And we're gonna unpack that a little more as the night goes on. But regardless of our struggles, whether in the past, in the present, or in the future, I think some of us in this room, including myself, need to hear that God is with us. God was with Bryce when he was in a dark season in the past. God is going to be with me when I find myself in a hard season in the future. God is with you, he's, he's meeting you where you are right now, not where you're gonna be in the future and not where you were in the past. Even though he was there in those times, he's with you right now as well, all the time, everywhere. And so th that's point one, God's call. We saw the call of Moses, and maybe some of us can, can spend some time in prayer this week asking God, God, what specifically do you want this life that you've given me to look like? But point two is where we're gonna be camping out for a lot of our time together, and it's titled, But God. The phrase, But God. But God. So this next section is the reason why I think I and maybe some other people in this room relate much to Moses. You see, everything is good with Moses when he hears the creator of the universe on the mountain Horeb in the burning bush say, I'm gonna be with you. If God came up to me right now and said, I'm gonna be with you, I'm gonna trust him. He's keeping me alive. He's kept me alive for 21 years. And I recognize that's from him. That is fully his power to do that. So if he, out of all people, says, I'm gonna be with you, I'm good. I'm, I'm feeling great about myself. So when Moses hears this, he's in a good place. He's at an all-time high spiritually, thinking, all right, God's with me. Who can be against me? But then, like I mentioned earlier, Moses begins to kind of get in God's way. And so to give an example of this, I, um, I was in chapel a few weeks ago at, at CIU. We have chapel three times a week. And we had a pastor come in from the Columbia area and he told a story about how he was having a, a conversation with a professor on campus when he went to CIU a few years ago. And, um, and he, he basically was telling this professor, hey, I, I just really feel like I got a, a, a specific calling from God, but recently I've been doubting that I actually heard it right. And I've been doubting that, that I'm really called to be a pastor, that I'm, I'm really call, called to speak about the word of God to, to groups of people. And so he sits down with this professor and he starts talking to him about all this and, and the professor stops him right in the middle of his conversation. Just completely shuts him down, cuts him off. And what the professor says, painted an image in my head that I wanna paint in y'all's heads tonight. Pretend like you're sitting across from the table of, uh, of God. So God's on one side of the table 
and you're on the other side of the table. And I'm talking to God, I'm talking to God, God, I don't think I can do this, I don't think I can do this, I, I, I think I heard you wrong, blah, blah, blah. And then God stops me. And he just says, I'm gonna make something absolutely beautiful out of your life. Absolutely beautiful. But the only way that's gonna happen is if you get out of my way. And you let me do it. Because as long as you're pursuing your own goals, your own plans, there's no room for me to do that through you. There's no room to, for, for me to do that in you. So this professor looked this guy in the eye and said, I believe God wants you to just get out of the way and start listening to the only voice that's gonna direct you towards the path you're trying to get to. If God's the one who gave you the calling, if God's the one who gave Moses the calling, that's the only voice that he needs to be listening to, or at least the only voice that he needs to be focused on. Because there's gonna be a lot of voices in this world, a lot of voices, and I'm sure you've already heard them in school. There are gonna be thousands of voices telling you to go thousands of different ways, and sometimes it's very difficult to hear the voice of God telling you to go the only way that's gonna get you to where God wants you to be. And so tonight, as, as we look at the life of Moses, I want us to remember that God is with us, the good times, the bad times, the ugly times, and that his voice is the only voice that truly matters. So in chapter four of Exodus, where, where I want us to spend a good chunk of time here together, is where Moses begins to do something that I find myself doing on a daily basis, and maybe some people in here can relate. He begins to doubt. And some of this is doubt towards himself. So in my past, I've seen myself doubting God, but most recently, I've seen myself doubting myself. I've come to the conclusion that God has the power to do it. I just don't think that I have any sort of power to do anything that God is calling me to do or that he says he's gonna do through me. And that's exactly what happens here between Moses and God. And in chapter four, we read of a conversation that, that Moses is having with God. And so first Moses says, God, what if they don't believe me or, or they, they, they don't listen to me? And they say, Moses, God didn't really appear to you. You're making all this up, like it didn't happen. It was probably a dream. It, you, 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 you ate some bad pizza for dinner or something like that. I don't know if they had pizza back then. Um, but God, but God then proves to Moses that he appeared to him by turning his staff that Moses was holding. He turned it into a stake on the spot. Boom, staff to snake. And then he continues to show Moses these miraculous signs to perform to the people that are doubting him to prove to these people that it really was God who appeared to him. And it really was God who spoke with him, who is still speaking with him. But then Moses complains about how he's slow of speech, how he doesn't have the words, how he's never been a good communicator. God, how am I gonna do that? How am I gonna go to the ruler of Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go if I'm having trouble talking to my best friend? But God then reminds him who gave him his mouth who gave him the, the ability to speak. So God promises to teach Moses what to say and once again reminds him that he will be with him. Moses, I'm gonna be with you. Even when you don't have the words to say, I was the one who gave you the ability to say them. And so you have to trust me knowing that I'm gonna be faithful to my promise to be with you. And actually in verse 13, my, my, Moses finally gets to the point where he says, God, can you just send somebody else? Like, I've complained, I've told you how I'm not good enough, you keep trying to tell me I'm good enough, just send somebody else. There are tens of thousands of people that are so much better than me, that would be so much better at completing this task, probably faster, probably better, probably a better speaker than I am. Now maybe I'm the only one in the room who's been in these shoes of doubt, 
Or maybe there are some others in here who have struggled with this recently too. And I believe sometimes we can be so consumed by the fact that we don't have the power to do these kind of things on our own. We can be so consumed with that that sometimes we just forget God does have the power. We, we are so convinced that we don't have the power that we completely disregard the one who is telling us in this passage and so many others that he does have the power. And he's willing to show that power through us. And before I came and spoke last series on prayer, um, in, in, our, in our series Revival, I was doubting my own ability to, de to deliver the message both on Wednesday night and Sunday night. And even tonight, parts of me were still doubting my own ability to deliver this message. And one of the reasons I doubted was because I thought all the way back to elementary school. So in elementary school, uh, all throughout elementary school, kindergarten, first, second, third, fourth, fifth grade, um, I had to do one-on-one -on -one speech class with um, one of the speech teachers there like every day for all of elementary school. Still having trouble speaking, good grief. Um, and so every day I did that. And the reason I did that was because I had trouble saying consonant and vowel sounds, as well as just some words. Like people just could not understand what I was saying. And so thinking back to that kind of discouraged me and even made me doubt a little bit that I could get up here and deliver a message, both last series as well as right now. And the reason that I was doubting myself was because back then I never saw myself holding a microphone talking in front of anybody. Because back then I couldn't even have a conversation with my mom or dad or my brother, Garrison. Yeah, great singer. Okay, um, so I was having trouble having simple conversations and so I had to do speech class. But here I am so many years later just speaking in front of people. Now, I don't know how it sounds, but I, I, I can almost guarantee you that you can understand at least some of the words I'm saying. And it, it, it doesn't sound just like a bunch of gibberish like it did back then. And so I could not do this on my own. I proved that to myself in elementary school. And if God did not have his hand on my mouth from elementary school to now, it would have still sounded like it did because I didn't have the power to change it. But God decided that his plan for my life required me to speak. And so he was willing to put me in a place where I was going to get training on how to do that, that back then I couldn't see myself here today. I, I could not see it at all, but God did. And so he, he was able to show me, Bryce, you need to go here because if you don't go here, you're not gonna get there. But because you went here, because you went through this process all the way back in elementary school, progressively I've gotten you to where I want you to be in this moment and I'm gonna take you even further. And so tonight, I feel like some of us need to hear that, that by our own strength, it's gonna fail. If that's the only strength we're, we are relying on, I don't care if you look like John Cena. Like if, if it's the only strength we're relying on, it's gonna fail. But God is offering a strength and a power that is way beyond any doubt, way beyond any discouragement that you can possibly come up with on your own. And he's willing to display that power through Moses all the way back in the Old Testament. And he's willing, he's promising, if we allow him to do that in us and through us again today. God is with you. Now as chapter five begins, Moses gets the opportunity to actually put this calling into action and he goes to Pharaoh multiple times saying, let my people go. He approaches the ruler of Egypt and finally says, all right, God, if you're promising to be with me, I'll go do it. I'm trusting you. So the first time he goes to Pharaoh, 
He's confident, he's rolling in, he's ready to go. He's like, I, I got God with me, I'm ready to go. If God's the one speaking, how is this gonna fail? And he says, Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no, nope, not gonna do it. And God actually tells Moses on multiple occasions, I'm hardening Pharaoh's heart. Now, when I read this, I even have some questions. And I'm sure Moses had a lot more questions than I did. God, you said you were gonna be with me. You promised to be with me, but where were you? I thought that it was gonna be super easy that I could walk in, look Pharaoh in the eye, say, let my people go, and some miraculous sign of God was going to make that happen, just like that. And while God could have done that, for some reason, he chose not to. And he chose to allow Moses to go back again and again and again. And over the course of time, I guarantee you, there were people around Moses, probably some of the Israelites, because their slavery was worsened. Every time Moses went to Pharaoh, Pharaoh increased how bad the conditions were for the Israelites because of how frustrated he was with Moses. And he was trying to get Moses to stop. And so there were probably some Israelites at this time that were doubting that God actually approached Moses and told him to do this. Moses, why do you keep going to Pharaoh? You're only making matters worse. Let's just wait it out. Let's just wait the storm out. Maybe, maybe, maybe God will deliver us. So there was a lot of doubt that set in but God still made a promise to Moses. He still said, I'm gonna be with you. And if I'm with you, who can be against you? As scripture tells us. And so this promise still stood regardless of what Pharaoh said. So when he told the Israelites all this, they doubted him, they were discouraged because they were still in slavery. Now in terms of doubt, something hit me the other day that I feel like God really wants other people to hear because this rocked my world and I don't even know where it came from. I, I hope and pray it came from God because I, I'm truly believing it did. And this thought came to my mind. It is okay when people choose to doubt me. It is 100% okay. Because not if, but when I exceed their expectations, the only person I'm gonna point back to as to why I exceeded their expectations is God, not me. I can approach those people and say, you rightfully doubted my own power because you're right, I didn't have the power to do it. I did not have the power to shake myself free from that sin that was in my life. But God decided that he had a plan for my life and he was willing to shake me free from that. He, he, he was willing to say, Bryce, if you would just get out of the way and remove the doubt that these people are trying to put in your head, remove the discouragement that these people are trying to put in your head, I'll do it. I'll do it in you and I'll do it through you. And so God does the same thing with Moses here that finally we see in chapter 12, all the way in chapter 12, after Moses going to and from Pharaoh asking the same exact thing, let my people go, demanding let my people go, progressively God sparks plagues on the Egyptians, including Pharaoh. And so then Pharaoh is fed up with it. He's tired of it. He can't take anymore. <clears throat> and in Exodus 12, <clears throat> Pharaoh tells Moses, get up and leave my people. Go and worship the Lord as you have requested. And from there, the writer tells us how they left Egypt. And in verse 51, it tells us that they finally left Egypt, but it also tells us that they had been enslaved for 430 years. Now this whole time, we had no clue how long this time period was. For me, when I first read it, I thought it was just a couple days. But then I read verse 51 telling me this was 430 years of slavery, 430 years. But all those years, God made a promise to Moses 
And all those years, 430 years later, Moses is looking back on his life and he's seeing all the struggles, all the, the zigzags that he had to get around to get to the victorious walking out of slavery. Just walking away from the Egyptians. When Pharaoh finally says, I've had enough, whoever this God is that you're telling me about, he must be real because I'm, I'm letting you go, you're done. And so Moses looks back and he sees God making him a promise of deliverance. When Israelites around him were doubting, there were people telling him it didn't happen. You made it up. God didn't say that. And 430 years later, he's looking back and he's seeing when he was on the mountain with God through the burning bush. And God says, I'm gonna make you this promise. I'm not, I'm, I'm not gonna give you details on how long it's gonna last, but I'm gonna make you a promise that I'm with you. Through the thick, the thin, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Every time Pharaoh says no, I'm with you. Every time Pharaoh says leave, I'm with you. I'm with you. So tonight, <clears throat> Moses is not Jesus, but he's one of the greats because he was the one person in this entire story, in all of Israel, that God chose to bring deliverance through. He said, I'm gonna use you, Moses, amongst all your faults. There are thousands of people that you think are more qualified that could do this job I'm calling you to do. But instead, I'm choosing you. And we as people are seeking freedom from bondage, just like these Israelites were whenever we sin. Maybe tonight you're, you're stuck in a sin that you've been trying to shake yourself free from for a long, long time. And all this time, you've been wondering, where is God at? Where is God at? In this story of Moses, Moses was the deliverer that God used to make these Israelites free from their slavery. And even though we, we don't feel physical slavery like these Israelites do, like working, putting to work like the Egyptians made them do, we feel a, a, a spiritual type, emotional slavery because of our sin. And tonight, I'm, I'm here to tell you about a guy who decided to get up on a cross one day, about 2,000 years ago, as a picture of who Moses was to these Israelites. God chose to use his son, Jesus, and said, I've got, I've got thousands, I've got millions, I've got billions of people I care way too much about to stay where they are in their bondage, in their slavery. And all the way back in Exodus, I chose to use Moses for those specific people but there's too many people for a human being, a simple human being, a, a faulty human being to get up on a cross and die and rise again. I gotta send my own son to do it. And the God who was with Moses, the God who was in Jesus is with us today through Jesus, through his Holy Spirit that he gives us. And so maybe tonight you've, you've, been, um, you've been seeking freedom from that bondage that you're in and you haven't told anybody about it and you're, you're just kind of hiding it and what, waiting for it to just disappear one day. But tonight, I'm here to declare that Jesus has already taken it away. He's already nailed the sins to the cross. Too often we're, we're so quick to just take them down on our own. But tonight, Jesus is trying to set somebody free. I truly believe that. I don't know who it is, but I, I can think back to multiple times in my life when I was stuck in sin and I was trying to shake myself free from it. I was trying to get myself out of it. 
And I had somebody on this stage, people like Trevor, like Stallion, like Tyler, Matt Densky, tell me something very similar. Just look me right in the eye and said, Bryce, you've been striving so hard to shake yourself free from that sin. You've been trying to get yourself out of that slavery, yourself out of that bondage. But there's been somebody who's already taken it away. And I, I just desperately, desperately, desperately desire for somebody to recognize that tonight. So I wanna do something real quick as we close. I wanna ask everybody to stand up all across this place. And before I pray for us all together, I wanna give you guys about 30 seconds to just pray to yourself, close your eyes, bow your heads, whatever you need to do to just think and pray, God, what in my life needs to go? How do I need to get out of the way and let you work? What in my life needs to take a back seat so that you can start driving? So just take about 30 seconds to think about that and pray about that. And then I'll close this in prayer. God, I'm so thankful that you are with us. You were with us from the beginning when you created the heavens and the earth. You were with us before time even began. And you're promising right now, 2019, February 17th, to be with us in the struggles we have on our own. Lord, thank you for the reminder through Moses that we're not alone in those struggles, that you use somebody who couldn't speak like Moses, who was doubting his own ability to do stuff, to deliver the Israelites, you used him in a mighty way that nobody, including himself, saw coming. I pray for that, that person in this room tonight, maybe multiple people in this room tonight, who need to hear that not only do you love us, but because you love us, enough to get on a cross for us, die and rise again, you're willing to be with us. I pray we'd recognize that tonight and we'd give you the glory for it tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.